Good morning again, boys and girls. I'm still shaking from that Bible drill. I want you to know. Oh, my goodness. Contrary to popular belief, pastors don't, all of us at least, have the whole Bible memorized. So, man, I, I want to do something out of character. And if you don't feel comfortable doing this, you don't have to. But um, I just want you to see what I, I know in my head about the investment of people into children and and teenagers here in our church so can i ask you i want to start off with a word of prayer but if you work in any capacity with our children or our students and you're comfortable would you stand with me so that we can pray together over you guys and do that and so i know it's a little crazy standing in church is not always exciting to do um we we have a a ton in the back doing the same thing um but thank you for for investing uh, in what God is doing here. Can we pray together as we start service? Lord Jesus, thank you for those who are standing, Lord, those who are serving God, uh, Lord, who are shaping and making our kids uh, in, into, uh, Lord, your image, or at least, God, as you're making them their image, you're using them as your hands and feet to provide them with every tool and opportunity to give them a witness and a testimony of your love. God, thanks for what you're up to. We pray that today you would be with this group in a special way that they may taste and see how good you are they may see the fruit god and they might be encouraged lord to pursue you more and to lead others towards you more passionately we pray this in the name of jesus amen you can be seated thank you so much for doing that well <clears throat> we're in romans chapter 7 today and um i know we've got an incredible day if you're visiting with us today um because we recently did change uh, the name of our church and go through that today we are kind of sprouting off into that and afterwards we'll be um having t-shirts and stuff for everybody and and guys are under the canopies in lightning storms you can pray for that uh cooking hamburgers for everything right now so you're welcome to stay uh for that as well it's free for for everybody um but we're walking in Romans 7 today, and, and quite honestly, as I've wrestled with this even this week, this is one of those passages of scriptures that we want to get our hands around, and that's kind of okay. You know, sometimes you need to just get your hands around something that. Some people, some in here, you can palm a basketball, and God bless you for that. I can palm a baseball really well, like I've got that down. Um, but I, I, I'm okay with just getting my hands around it without having complete control. Sometimes that's what we have to do with Scripture. Um, I love what Peter says about Paul's writing in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Um, this is what he writes. It's, it's pretty great if you've ever thought, I've read Scripture and I have no idea what was just said. This is what Peter says, who was kind of the leader of the apostles, right, under Jesus. Um, and count the patience of our Lord of salvation, just as our beloved pa brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom to give to him. And as he does in all of his letters, he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, <laughs> right? And just kind of stop right there. Listen, what, what Peter says is, is that you and I, we have to get our hands around things and not everything is uber clear as we walk into that. And sometimes chapter seven can be that way in Romans. 
And so as we do that, what we're going to be looking at is the end of chapter 6 as our springboard. It's our launch into it, okay? So if you have your Bible, look in chapter 7 and go back one verse, okay? I want you to go back one verse into Romans 6, 23. So you can be caught up with us. If it's your first time today, we're walking in a choppy manner through Romans, and we'll take breaks throughout the year. But in Romans 6, 23, the Bible says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Jesus our Lord and what I love about God is that he is all-knowing he doesn't need our advice he doesn't need our counseling he welcomes our conversation but in the middle of this in this picture what we want to look at and what we want to lean into in the midst of this is this idea that God knows what could be on your heart and, and I don't know about you but but I often have thought in my life is I know the wages of sin is death but what if the good outweighs the bad right we, we know that's truth. If you have a credit card in this room, right? Our, our kids are just getting into that world. We're teaching them that world. You, you and I put that online. We swipe at places and we spend. And as long as at the end of the month, the bank account has more in it than the credit card has on it, it's a good day, amen? Right? When it doesn't, that's a bad day, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we've been there. We've been there. We were so excited when our bank account had more than two numbers on the left side of the period. Like those were good months. We've cut it close in our life. But but we we know that way of thinking. As long as my good outweighs my bad, as long as the sum is positive, that should be good. And and that sometimes can make its way into our minds and our hearts when it comes to our relationship and our standing with God. That aren't there other avenues like Jesus is the way, but but aren't there other things that I must do in order to ensure I'm in a right standing with God? And and if I follow the teachings of Jesus and I love him, but can I just depend on my ability to earn more wages of life than I do wages of death? I'm not arguing with you. You might say that I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. You can ask my spouse. But as long as my good outweighs my bad, like God's just and fair. And just and fair means good minus bad equals whatever's left over I get to keep. And, and, and the beauty of that is that's not only faulty thinking, that's way less than God has in store for us. Right? If you go back to the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, and you can look at their story in Genesis 3. If you want their whole story, you can go start in Genesis 1 and get up there to it. But God gave them a right relationship with him. When they sinned, he banished them from the garden so they might not eat from the tree of life and endure an existence where they are often and always a servant to sin, wrestling, trying to get things right. God didn't want that for us. He wanted us to have life to the full, and that's what Jesus said. And so, so what, what God does not want for us is us to try to live forever just undulating between sin and trying to do right. But he also says it's not like math. It's like baking, my wife would say. You can have the right amount of most ingredients in your Dessert. Do you bake anything other than dessert? That's all we bake at our house is desserts. But if you don't have enough of one ingredient, or if you have one wrong ingredient, like all of your ingredients are right and they're measured outright, and you have all this stuff out there, but you just grabbed the salt instead of the sugar, 
does your family eat them and go, well, you got it mostly right. This is great. No, if your family's like our do, they, they make faces. Does your family make faces when you cook something not as great as normal? I mean, ours, maybe you have a kinder family than we had. Sorry, Christy. But, but that's where we were. Because the reality is our wage is due to us and it ruins the whole batch of our life, our whole relationship with God. And so it's kind of faulty thinking and that's where Romans 7 walks into. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna read Romans 7. We'll start in verse one and we'll take a decent chunk of it to go here, church. We'll go through verse three because there's a story here so I don't have to make one up. The Bible says it like this. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. For a man is, for excuse me, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, well, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man uh, while her husband is alive. But her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not adulteress. Let's just stop right there. See, what, what Paul comes into and he says, you know, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the law. And we often think the Ten Commandments, but you're just thinking the word of God that God gave to us through Moses, the law, the festivals, the feasts, um, what to do, what not to do, all those things. What you're saying is the, the law, shouldn't it be able to rescue us? Aren't there enough rules? Aren't there enough times I had to go to confession? Aren't there enough times that I can do some rituals? Aren't there enough good things I can do? Can, can I just build up some credit to cover my deficit. And Paul says something amazing here. He says, don't you know that the law is binding? That the law is binding on a person as long as they are alive. The word binding here doesn't give us the picture of, of, of wrapping paper, ribbon, binding our hands together. What the word binding means is it has authority over you. It has rule over you. It has jurisdiction over you, right? So the law in our country, right, has jurisdiction over that. When you and I break the law, we can find ourselves bound by that law and the consequences of it. You follow me? Does that make sense? Does that make it really good? Kids, this should happen at home too. The law of your mom may be, hey, I need you to clean your room before you go out. If you don't do that, your mom and dad, they may not bind you like this, but they will bind you to the house, amen? Right, because it has jurisdiction, it has authority over you. And what scripture says is the law of God, it has authority over us. Like we are accountable to it and it has jurisdiction over our life. And so as long as you are alive under the law, it has jurisdiction. I want you to know something. When you physically die, the law of the land no longer matters to you. Amen? Does that make sense? No one's going to pull you over for speeding. I promise. It's not going to happen. Right? No one's coming after you. So as long as you are living under that law, you're bound by it. So the only way to get free from that standard is through death. And so Paul gives us an image that's really not meant to give you ideas, ladies. Can we, can we just have an agreement as we start there this morning? Right? 
What he says in verse chapter two, or verse two of chapter seven is a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if, she, if he dies, well, she's free, right? Be very kind to your wife today, right? As long as I am alive, Christy and I are bound. If she were to go marry someone else, that would be a sin, not against me, but against the command of God. But if I were to die, and she were to hide the cardboard cutout that I have upon my burial mitt for our room, <laughs> right? She would be free in the sight of God and right with God to get married. It wouldn't be an offense to him. But if she did that while I'm alive and we're married, that would be offensive to God and to me. Does that make sense? So as long as I'm alive, this law of our relationship has authority over both of us. So the only way out is if we die to that law. Now here's where the, the picture pulls into view. All right? Go to verse 4 in your Bible. Because the word likewise is there. It doesn't mean exactly the same. What it really means is in a similar way. Right, And you'll see why that image, although wonderful, isn't complete because God's ways are so much better than ours. We'll go verse 4 all the way down through verse 6. The Bible says this. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions are aroused by the law and they were at work at, uh, at work in our members to bear fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And this, this beautiful picture sets up everything else. See, what Paul says is this, in Christ Jesus, that's why he uses the word brothers, okay? It means men and women who have been made new in Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this passage can be for you. It's letting you know what Christ can do for you. If you are a Christian, this lets you know what Christ has done for you. Follow me on that? Does that make sense? So, so that's how we want to read this first. So in a similar way, what Paul says is this, you have died to law through the body of Christ. Go all the way back to Romans 6, chapter 3. For the wages of sin and death is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So dying just by yourself, it, it may release you from the laws of the land, but it doesn't release you from the law of God. You have to, to die and be raised anew to live for something. And what the Bible says is, is that through Jesus Christ, we have been removed from this game of trying to keep a law of perfection that we cannot keep. And here's the point of it. Here's why Christ died for you. Here's the purpose of being released from the law and being free to live through and in Jesus Christ so that you might bear much good fruit. And scripture is full of what that fruit is. Is that in Jesus Christ, you aren't meant to bear the fruit of death, which is what the law does. 
but we're to bear the fruit of life joy peace patience kindness we can go through that list again we can look in the new testament we can see all of that that's what god meant for you not just for today definitely for today do you know that jesus christ when he died he his purpose was that you might live fruitful for him today and that would only bear more fruit forever and ever amen do you know that that means this a man and a woman who have been died to sin and been raised to christ jesus you are supposed to be fruitful trees that share your fruit with the other all the time that's part of why christ died for you so that your marriage would reflect his joy so that your work would reflect his peace so that your your parenting would reflect his goodness and his kindness so that your friendships would reflect his faithfulness man what a wonderful world that would be as the song goes right that's what awaits for us in eternity but we don't have to wait to bear fruit until then but under the law you and i can only bear the fruit of death have you ever gotten pulled over hmm. i have right I, surely it wasn't my fault amen <laughs> now i'm a liar and a speeder right i mean you follow me when i get pulled over my heart about jumps out of my chest my back of my neck burns red and my head starts to feel like someone's doing this to it y'all feel that with me anyone else that's good yeah confessions of your preacher you're welcome but do you know i can drive perfectly under the law all week long all month long and i don't drive thinking huh look at me keeping the law today right I don't wake up and go to bed before I go to bed and say, hey, Christy, huh, I kept the law of our marriage. You're welcome for being faithful today. Kids, I wasn't angry and yelling at you. No one went out a window. You're welcome, right? We don't do that. The law is there to remind us of our failure. You follow me? The law reminds us of your failure. Not, it doesn't make you fail, but it shows you you failed all those other times when you were driving try that with a police officer if you ever get pulled over accidentally like listen i've been driving perfect for three years this is one moment come on don't really try that right because the law all it does is it shows us the death in our life and so let me let me help you out on this a minute if the perfect law of god cannot bring life then the additional laws that you and I add to the law of God in order to pretend that God is holy, can they bring life? No, they only bring frustration. I was having a conversation with some friends in a uh, frozen yogurt place years ago, and I was asked um, if I was a Baptist pastor, and I said yes, and they said, what kind of Baptist? And, the, and I said, well, you know, we, we're, you know, part of the southern baptist cooperation and and i go to first baptist church they said well are you a first baptist or are you a southern baptist and i was like yes it's, it's both and they're like no 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 sorry can you drink and dance and i said well let me help you out here the law of god says not to get drunk paul writes to timothy hey a glass of wine can be good for your stomach if you get drunk you break the law of god 
if you drink, you're not breaking the law of God. As a pastor and a family history of alcohol running amok, I do not drink because I am worth it and you are worth it. Amen? Now, do we dance? You can ask my wife. Y'all, I'm a junior high slow dancer. Like, that's all I got. That's it. We've taken dance lessons. She can't wear open-toed shoes. It's horrible. If your dancing is provocative, then it breaks the law of God by tempting someone to sin. Amen? Are you following me on that? If your dancing is meant to cause sin or to elevate sin, then you break the law of God. I don't need to make another rule that says you can't dance. When we do that, we just frustrate people, don't we? Isn't it frustrating when people make up rules to make up rules to protect a real rule? Then you hate the whole thing. That's what man-made law does. If the law, a perfect law of God, cannot bring salvation, then our imperfect, ridiculous laws of man, with a good heart and good intention, they can't do even that good. They just amplify death. You follow me? So what kind of church are we? Parkway, welcome. Because the reality is, God's word is enough. Amen? And the law of God was insufficient to bring life and salvation and change. But what it did is something very effective. And Paul goes into that. Oh man, we have time to eat today. Look in your Bible with me. Verse 7. Man, I hope you all enjoy this as much as I do. If you don't, don't tell me. We'll just pretend to go along. The Bible says this. Verse 7, what shall we say then? That the law is sin, right? Because if the law brings death, then it's bad. It's, we should just get rid of it. It's just garbage, right? The law is no good. If it can't save us, then it must be bad. Paul says, nope, by no means. See, if the word yet is in my Bible, but that is kind of a transition word. It can be many means says listen if it had not been for the law i would not have known sin for what i've known for i would not have known what it is to covet if the law said not to covet if not said you shall not covet but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness apart from the law sin lies dead i was once apart from the law but when the commandment came sin came alive and i died the very commandment that promised life to me gave me, proved to me death. For sin, seizing on an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. And if you read that and said, I don't get it, how is that proof that the law is good and not sin? I think the key comes in to verse 8 as you walk into that. Uh, excuse me, verse 7 as you walk into that. He says, yet it had not been for law, I would have not known sin. Gosh, have you ever hurt someone unintentionally? Like completely unintentionally? Because you didn't realize you were hurting them, does that mean you weren't hurting them? Not that you would do this. But have you ever started talking not as positively about someone who you didn't think was around you, but they were actually around you and they could hear what you said? Maybe, has that ever happened to you? 
mm, have you ever tried to include people in a group but maybe someone's been excluded and you didn't realize you were excluding them but they knew they were being excluded but your heart wasn't to exclude them does that mean you weren't excluding them see ignorance isn't an excuse just because you didn't know and this happened at AM last weekend the baseball game two guys in the woods shooting their rifles guns not at anyone in particular on purpose hit a young man 400 yards away watching a baseball game they didn't mean to they didn't know does that mean that they didn't do it no you see what the law of god did it, it helped us be aware of what was barrier between god and us does that make sense it helped us be aware of what we were doing. And so Paul says, once the law of God showed up, it showed me all this junk in my life. It showed me all the ways I was being offensive to God. It showed me all the things I could never put my finger on. Now I could. And it, what it really showed me was, I am not as good, I am not as right, and I'm not near as holy as I was giving myself credit for. You follow me on that? That's what Paul's saying. So why is the law good if it can't bring life? Because it makes us aware of the barrier in our life between us and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is good. In your marriage, let me, this is free. If your spouse has done something wrong against you, don't hold it in and pray they figure it out one day. Tell them so that they can at least be aware of their sin against you and the Spirit might have a better avenue to work. You follow me? Who loves going to bed angry? Said nobody. Kids, with your parents, with a friend. The law made us aware of all that was already going on and we just didn't know why things felt off wrong or not right with god that's what paul says and then he goes a little bit further view your bible verse 13 as we jump into this he asked another question so did that which is good so if the law is good because it made sin evident verse 13 did that which is good then bring death to me in other words if i wouldn't have known about it then was i better off than if i knew about it you see because if i don't know i'm hurting your feelings and i'm not aware of it i feel pretty good but if you tell me that i've done wrong against you well then i feel pretty bad so does the law create death in me Paul says, let me answer that for you. Verse 13, by no means. It was sin producing death. That's always been the case, y'all. And it was producing that death through that which is good, what God has given you, that unorder, that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment we might know, excuse me, through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. And then this is so personal. For we know the law is spiritual, and I'm flesh, sold under sin. For I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I, I do what I do not want, I agree, the law, like, that's, that is good. 
So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I don't want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. Let me, let me give you this back and forth because it's under the banner of does the law bring death to me Paul says no it doesn't bring death sin brought you death and the law made you aware of that death let me tell you what it feels like I want to do the right thing but I'm so angry at my spouse I do the wrong thing I want to do the right thing, but I am so hurt by what that person said, I do the wrong thing. I'm, I'm trying to get ahead in, in life, but someone reminds me of something I did a long time ago, and that memory, it challenges my heart, and instead of doing what I know I ought to do, I find myself doing what is wrong I've confessed my temper. I've confessed my lust. I've confessed my hurt. I've confessed my, my brokenness. And no matter what I do, it seems like over and over, I desire to do what's right. And then I am reminded that I cannot. What reminds you of that? Sin at work and the law saying you are broken on your own. It's not the law bringing death. It's just the law showing you those moments of spoiled and rotten fruit that you know are there, but you've wanted to put away. Have you ever been there? Have you ever said, I know I shouldn't say this, but I know what is right. I desire what is right, but sin is ruling so I can't that's the state of sin and life under the law but that is not what you were made for look in your Bible as we close this thing out verse 21 so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right evil lies close at hand for I delight in the law of God in other words, when I'm right with God, I, I want that. That feels good in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to sin that dwells with me. Wretched man that I am. The word wretched, we don't use a whole lot. The word wretched means miserable, helpless. It just means I'm stuck. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25. Thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is what Paul says. He says, when you and I try to live our life as beautifully as possible, we are stuck under the law of sin. We are under the rule of sin. We are then bound and held liable to the perfect standard of God in a right relationship. 
but you weren't made to be captive to that law. You were made to be free, to be right with God. That, that's what you were made for. You were made to taste the sweetness of the fruit of life, of joy, of happiness. Go read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Beyond that, in the Sermon on the Mount, it says blessed. Just don't scratch out the words in your Bible, but above it, just write happy. Because that's what the word blessed means there. You want to be happy? This is how you're happy. You want to be happy? This is how you're happy. And it's all through Jesus Christ. That's his plan for you. But, but if you and I think that there is any other way to delight in life now or for eternity outside of the avenue of Jesus Christ, then you will convict yourself because you've been trying your whole life and it doesn't stick. But Jesus, the perfect son of God, had a pleasing relationship with his father. It never was displeasing. Sin did not control him and he kept the law perfectly. And he died on the cross bearing the penalty of our sins. And when God raised him to life, he opened that door to fullness for you and for me for now and for forever. So do you want to be rescued from captivity, from that miserable state? It was costly, but it's easy. It's through Jesus Christ, your Lord. What it means is you have to accept the fact and the truth that you can't set yourself free from sin and death but that Jesus can and by giving him your whole life making him master of your heart, mind soul, strength you don't have to be stuck anymore you were made for something so much better Don't stay a captive. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, I, I, I know the prayer of Christ when he said to leave us in the world and not be of it, God. And, and I know the prayer where he said protect us. But I'll be honest, God, I long for the day when sin and its temptations and, and its, its scent no longer are even on my clothes, God. Lord, like, like sweat, God, I know you're cleansing me of it, God, but I can't wait for the day when all the fruit of my life reflects the work and the finished work that you promised to bring to completion. So Lord, today I just ask that you wouldn't let me despise the law that I would love it because you used it to make known to me my sin and then through that your spirit contrary to the law it lit the way to life eternal through Christ Jesus my Lord Lord do away with our additions to that but if there's a man or woman boy and their girl in this room 
finding themselves captive to sin. And today you have woken them up to realize that only through you, only through Jesus, laying down who they are and taking his hand and calling him my Lord and my God, Lord, they can know life and fullness and fruit.